Right, here we are, Bethany. Yep. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, James. Um, so today we've got our special guest, Bethany Ayres, who's Chief Customer Officer of Peak. Um, really excited to have you uh, on the podcast today. Uh, what are you most excited about today? Probably this podcast. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly maybe the most nervous about this, but I'd also say excited. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, so one of the things that we care about in terms of our audience at Sales Confidence is just understanding the experience that you've had to put yourself in a position where you are leading and developing not only sales, but also marketing customer success and other functions at peak. I guess just thinking a bit to break the ice, um, and because we like to get into the mind of, of the leader, what, what do you f typically think of when you first wake up? So I mean, literally the first thing I think about is where am I? I because I'm traveling so much right now that I don't actually know even when I'm at home. I know that feeling. That I'm in my bed. <laughs> uh, and the second one is what day is it? And then depending on where we are in the calendar, it's blind panic or not about where the number is. Yes. And then I start the rest of my day. I think many leaders can probably recognize mm. um, with that early start. Um, clearly you've, you've, I mean, you've, you've had a long successful career of achievement. Um, and I guess there must have been kind of some form of internal driver or motivation that's motivated you to want to achieve. Where do you think that motivation has come from? I think some of it is in some ways not having a choice. I know that sounds a bit strange, but I went to quite a, a good secondary school. It was very competitive. There was no choice in my family or consideration of not going to university or not succeeding. Um, choosing not to do a PhD was actually quite scandalous rather than the other way around. Okay. And so I've always had like recognition for what I do, maybe more than who I am and needing to have that approval um, and to succeed. Mm -hmm. And so I constantly, I think oh, everybody talks about imposter syndrome now, but I definitely have it. Like I constantly think I'm failing. Um, I constantly don't think I'm good enough and I need to prove myself and mm -hmm. so there's just like this it's so tied up in my self-esteem that that's where my drive comes from. I get that. Interesting. And why sales originally? Like how from that type of background that you've articulated, yeah. clearly well educated, right? Understanding on kind of complex com complex, um, why, why sales? Where did that come about? For so it was really interesting. I'm completely aging myself, and I mean, the gray hair doesn't help, but um, I, I watched Wall Street in the cinema originally, yeah. okay. and there was the woman in it who has like her MBA, JD, or whatever from Harvard, and she's like this top saleswoman, yeah. and I said, or, or businesswoman. Cause I, I, so my family are all scientists and artists and I had no idea what business is and I'm from New Mexico and there's not really a lot of business in New Mexico so I didn't know what it was other than seeing this movie and I was just like she's amazing look at her like all of this power all of these people having to do what she says um, and how cool she is and I was just like I want that amazing and follow that in my life and so I didn't realize that it was sales because I just came I was so naive and I had no idea about any careers yeah. I just knew I wanted to go into business yeah the salespeople looked like they were having quite a bit of fun mm. 
seemed like I could probably do that and then moved into it. But it was very much that I wanted to be in business. I like that. And did you, was there a particular product or service that you fell into originally that you had an experience of? I guess, what was the first thing you sold? So the first thing I sold was a company called New, uh, not New Voice Media, a company called Moreover okay. that was bought by a few different companies and ended up being owned by LexisNexis, I think. Okay. So it was like a news clipping service, or not a news clipping service, but feeding news content on people's websites. Right. Because this was 2000, 2001. So it was about how to drive audiences to new media, as it was called at the time, and help companies. So the business model, I'm trying to remember now, was mostly about driving audiences to then do advertising revenue. So what I was focused on was it was a business development role rather than a straight sales role yeah. of these partnerships. It wasn't particularly working and so it was like, okay, to make money now we need to go and sell content. So I was selling news feeds, aggregated news feeds to companies that wanted news on their websites. Amazing. And um, kind of like early 2000s, what was the main tool to make sales? Was it just the phone? Like, how did you actually yeah. reach out to people back then? Phone and email and networking. We were in Farringdon at the time, and Farringdon is nothing like it was is today. <laughs> <laughs> like there was a McDonald's and a Pizza Express, so that was it, and fabric. Um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and you just called people, emailed, direct mailed, events. Yeah, amazing. No CRM. Okay, yeah, well, things have improved somewhat, but there's a lot more tools to manage these days. Yeah. Um, particularly for, uh, I guess, those starting their sales career today. Thinking about that transition into leadership, um, what, what motivated you or what were your reasons to move from kind of an individual contributor into leadership? And is there advice for that decision-making framework that you may have used before you made that decision to go into leadership? I wish. I wish I was like so organized about it and had a scorecard and like, no. <laughs> um, also, I've had a very different career than most sales leaders. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to pull that out. So the last time I actually sold something as a front end first line sales was 2004, maybe okay. 2003, 2004. And from that time at Moreover, um, we were trying to figure out what to sell. We had no price book. We had no marketing team. Like we really were business development in that we were trying to figure it all out and then end up with quotas that we didn't even know how to do. And so I've never had a sales role like the sales roles I've created for other people where they have price books and ICPs and personas and leads coming in. Um, but it was fantastic to learn all of that. So I have a wide ranging set of skills and ended up working on channels, um, managing larger relationships. And all of those skills coming together is where I ended up moving into leadership. Um, and then going back to like my, why me? It was more people started saying, you should do this role. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay but you don't understand, I'm not a sales leader. We're like, no, no, but you are. And so it's taken me a while to understand what it is to be a sales leader and what I can bring to the party. Well, that's interesting. I mean, just a little bit more on that. So how do you view yourself? If you think of your title yeah. and you've transitioned into a new title now, and I put you in the bracket of a sales leader, 
How do you actually view yourself as an individual in business? I guess back to that business yeah. woman, business leader. Is that more how you view yourself versus um, sales leader? So I think there's a difference between leader and manager okay. and also between which part of sales because sales everybody just thinks about the AE and that's the entire organization and so I think there's like a lot of sales management of working on individual deals, rallying the troops, doing the team bonding and having not come from that side I don't feel comfortable with it. I'm also not like a really inspired like I'm not I shouldn't say I'm not inspiring but I'm not in, in that like raw, raw way, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. I'm much more comfortable with, here's the direction we're going, here's the vision, these are the tools, you can do it, let's make sure you have the support that you need to achieve your best, yeah. but not like, we will climb the mountain. I, it's just not me. Well, I think that's interesting for people to understand. It's not just up on stage. Yeah. type individuals you know I personally I enjoy that and I double down in that but I think there is a misconception and therefore a perception about what sales professionals are and what the leaders are and in fact um, as you've articulated it when you understand business you understand strategy you understand how to get the best out of the people that in the way that you're comfortable with that's just as effective yeah. And I think there's a lot now, particularly with social media, and this goes across many um, uh, kind of lines of industry, there's a perception now that if you are not speaking up on a daily, weekly basis, then you must not know what you're talking about. Well, actually, that's totally skewed. You know, and I think this is why this is really interesting to understand actually, well, this is how I think about approaching it. And for others that may be listening, feeling like, Actually, yeah, that's how I resonate. But all I'm used to is some tall, you know, loud person in my ear in my first three jobs. And I actually now questioning the reason why I'm in sales. And actually, I don't think that should be the case. So I think it's, you know, what we're unlocking here is really like what makes you the best at what you do. So if I ask people in your organization, I said, why do you follow her? What, what do you think they would say about you? Oh, I wish I knew. <laughs> I think it's... Um a lot of times it's just that I'm really smart. Uh -huh. I think my feedback is I know a lot. I can connect the dots quite quickly, see the big picture, um, and maybe a level of trust. So not just personal trust, but that I know what I'm doing, I'm building the right systems, and I have their wellness in mind. Okay, so almost like trust in the process. This is a, a, a woman, a leader, a business person that understands how to be successful and how they receive that and how you communicate that means they can develop and build on that. Do you have people around you in your organization that maybe are more kind of frontline and do you lean on them to kind of, do you encourage it or just kind of let them loose a little bit? A bit of both. So I definitely have, and it's one of those things I've recognize very early on is you need to know your weaknesses as much as your strengths yes. and sometimes you can improve on your weaknesses or yeah. mitigate them but the best thing is to then find somebody who compliments you and makes it better Amazing. and so I know that a lot of the the raw I don't know I should probably inspirational rather than raw raw I mean that's my perception of things I um, that. <laughs> I'd say inspirational but yeah, I, yeah. I get what you're saying yeah um, that and then also sometimes I'm not always I think I'm quite good with empathy like on a one-to-one -one basis but I don't 
always think about, oh, I should drop that line to say thank you, or let's take some time to find out how you're doing. Like, it's not that I don't care, I don't think to do it. I get that. And so, but other people, that's the way they think all the time. And yeah. so it's really good to have frontline managers who do that. Yeah. Because people need it. I just know I'm really bad at it. Yeah. So you just, you, you're bringing complementary people yeah. around and that then combination of experience, competencies allows you to kind of get the most out of the organization that you're developing. Cool. That's smart. Um, so thinking about, um, you brought up well-being there. So one of the elements that we really care about in our community is helping people develop performance, but also understand their, their kind of their mindset awareness and overall well-being. Um, how, and that links back to confidence, actually, yeah. uh, like on how we view it, right? Um, how, how do you kind of, um, I guess, manage your own well-being? And I know we were talking about this <laughs> offline. Um, so what you're comfortable sharing um, in terms of, you know, how you, how you ensure that your kind of um, performance is sustainable? How do you do that? So it's really, really, really important to do that. Uh, really important. I, I don't think I can overstate it. And part of that is through just experience that I had in the past. So when I was at New Voice Media, it was wildly intense, five years. I started when my second child was two months old. So we had and a two-year-old and a two-month-old um, working all the time, traveling all the time, massively intense. We raised, we basically over the five years, we raised every single year. Um, and at one point, the CFO at the time pulled me to the side and he was like, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And I just had no idea what he's on about. And I was like, yeah, 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 fine, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and it was always like, the exit was always 18 months away. And you're like, well, for 18 months, I can do this. For 18 mm -hmm. months, I can do this. And at the end of year five, and it was still another 18 months away, and I think the exit ended up being three years after that, I just hit a wall. And I was like, I, I can't do it anymore. I've sacrificed too much. I lost tons of weight. I was, I don't know, under eight stone. And just couldn't do it and had to take some time off. So then I did consulting for three years and met my children and um, discovered yoga um, and make sure that everybody in my team understands that it's a marathon and not a race. Mm. It's not going to be 18 months. We'll be lucky if it's five years and you need to pace yourself. And there's, you're, you're climbing this mountain. There's always the next step. There's always something urgent. But if you don't have the energy or the health or the mind space to do it, it's just pointless. Well, that's, I mean, you're speaking from experience clearly. Yeah. And I think that's um, very important to advocate. And it's also very challenging within the type of businesses that we operate in because of the intense expectation um, and drive to get high outcomes. Um, so that kind of perspective, I think, is, is, is needed. Um, when you think about individuals that you've maybe mentored or um, you've supported navigate their careers, um, what type of advice do you typically pass on from your experiences? And maybe that includes elements of well-being or maybe that includes your own framework of viewing, how you think about you know, success or sales. How do you tend to impart other knowledge? I guess there's just so many different things. It's hard to answer. It's like I don't have well, a stock. Well, what's, what is, what, what's 
kind of typical of the challenges that people come to you with then? They're really varied. So I'll have a lot of women who are like, should I have kids? Shouldn't I have kids? When should I have kids? When is the right time? And so there's that conversation to have. Um, and my pretty much my advice is only have them if you really want them, <laughs> not because you think you're supposed to, because even if you really want them, it's hard and there are days Very that hard. you don't want them. And so <laughs> like, <laughs> just know that you want it and there's never a good time. So you might as well do it and you'll figure it out. But if you don't want them or you're feeling pressured, don't do it. Yeah. Um, one of the other ones is around, I think people, people confuse authority and leadership and um, oftentimes want the title and want the authority before they've learned how to lead. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important actually to learn some of that influencing and leadership skills before you grow to the title. Mm -hmm. Because it's not your title that makes people follow you, it's all of those other skills. And so running virtual teams or taking the opportunity to take cross-functional teams that you're a leader of but not have the title and don't have the authority is actually a really good way to develop those skills and make you better in the future. I absolutely agree, but one of the things I find somewhat the challenge with that perspective is that you're taking on additional responsibility without additional recognition to begin with, and you're already under pressure. It's a long-term game. Okay. You know, if you want it, you sometimes have to go for it. People aren't going to hand it to you. Yeah. Well, then I totally agree. Um, <laughs> so uh, there is, um, you know, there there is there is an element of, of, and even for me, kind of broaching this question of how um, kind of women leadership is is viewed versus kind of male leadership. There's a topic you just brought up about children. I've never sat and had someone share that. I've got three children myself, but it's interesting, just in that domain. Do do you do you come across like there's a lot now about kind of um, women in technology and women in leadership and promoting women founders from a, a venture capital perspective. From, you, from your experience, um, like, do, do you, where or if do you see the differences, you know, or do you actually feel like as a woman who's achieved in your own right, you've had the path to be allowed to do that and you've been supported through your career to achieve? I think I've been, I've been lucky in a lot of ways. I think my childhood and the way that I was raised, um, not necessarily in good ways, but just the results of however it's all put together, yeah. is I've always felt very comfortable in a male world. Mm -hmm. And I've also, I guess, made from my previous question, like you sometimes just have to get it yeah. and you can't always ask permission. Mm -hmm. But I'm also very well aware that when I go to events, it's just me in the room mm -hmm. or it's five of us in the room. So clearly the system's not working for most women and I'm not going to say, well, I did it so everybody else should succeed. Like there's things that need to fundamentally change. Because okay. also over the years, it's like everything starts out 50-50 in the room and every year there's just fewer women in that room and we need to figure out how we fix that. That's really interesting. It's something I've even, we've been mindful here, um, thinking about the kind of 50-50 pledge that kind of was, was born out and by a group in London thinking about how you get that balance. And we, 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 we built a small team, five salespeople, five male salespeople. And it's already concerning me at the earliest stages to move fast. And so I think there is recognition for it. it just, it's just interesting to hear your perspective. And um, it's kind of, I think it will resonate 
there is still something for you as an individual, whoever you are, whatever diversity, you know, to go and make it happen for yourself. Um, but there is something to be said for advocating and, and making it accessible um, for, for women to develop into those leadership roles. So that, that's an interesting perspective. So we're kind of coming up to the, the end of this interview. Um, it's been interesting to hear like your journey and the perspective on how you approach um, leadership, how you approach your well-being. Um, kind of, has there been some times where you've really had to dig deep and like really unlock your own confidence to kind of make a positive transition or step in your career? And and how did that work for you? And kind of at the level you're comfortable sharing, how have you overcome some challenges while being in these leadership roles? Is it like. So I don't have like one pivotal moment where it all was at the bottom and I came back up, but I think there's lots of steps along the way. Mm. Um, one of the things is I, so in terms of building my inner confidence and probably getting the most confidence to then be able to have the second half of my career was I did five years of therapy. Okay. And so that really made a difference um, and I, I needed it and I'm a much rounder person and so I think people probably see my confidence on the outside the same but what it's enabled me to do is um, actually have relationships with people and and not be afraid of intimacy mm -hmm. and being able to share things and not think that it's a burden and nobody wants to know because what do I have to add um, and that has meant that through the consulting and now my new role at Peak I'm a much more rounded person and it also means I'm a much happier person because it's really cool to have relationships with people and not just be in your shell. Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you for, for sharing. Um, I mean, I've had my own experiences and, and I'm, I'm pretty open about it, but the importance of being able to understand yourself and then understand how you relate to others is a really powerful thing. Um, and, you, you know, having the permission, but also advocating for the fact that you look after yourself, whatever that takes, frankly, so that you are on top form is going to contribute to any successful business outcome, but also feeling good about it. In my eyes, there's no point in winning or achieving or hitting a target if you don't feel good and it's, it's not sustainable. So that's really interesting to hear. Um, so is there a final thought or something you would like to impart on kind of future sales leaders that you think is a takeaway that um, you'd just like to share or recommend or suggest? There's actually two things. So cool. I think one is going back to what we were talking about earlier of in some ways be you and own who you are and it's okay if you don't look like everybody else. Yeah, There's that. a value for you in you and figure out how to make that work. And then the other one is you can never consume too many ideas. So read, podcasts, blogs, um, Blinkist from most nonfiction books because it's really only a paragraph anyhow for their entire idea that's padded out for 120 pages. Read novels, talk to people who aren't in tech, gather all of those ideas because you never know when they'll come together in something special. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Bethany Ayers, it's been fantastic to have you here. Um, thank you for imparting some knowledge and we're also excited um, that you're going to be doing your seven minute talk. Yes. Um, so thank you for supporting and um, thank you for being on the podcast today. Right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, James.